Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlast podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's uh, episode 137, first episode after the first, uh, I don't want to call it non-canon, uh, non-main plot Star Wars movie. Non-Skywalker. Yeah, that's all right. Yep, non-Skywalker. So it, it was... Side players, Star Wars, Rogue One, a Star Wars story uh, open this week, and like we do with all the the big movies, we brought guests, because we are not that fucking interesting. Um, <laughs> so uh, I will start out with, um, yes, uh, remotely from New York, been a guest on most of our big movie shows, and knows more about all of this shit <laughs> than all of us combined. Benari Poulton, comedian originally from Boston, now from New York. How's it going, Benari? It's going great. Happy to be uh, happy to be back talking about a good movie for a change. Back to <laughs> back to the good ones. You just you won't let Batman versus Superman go. It's like I, I didn't bring that up. <laughs> Everybody knows exactly what you're fucking talking about. Well, good. They shouldn't have seen that fucking movie. They shouldn't have made that piece of shit in the first place. We'll we'll, we'll digress on the Batman versus Superman uh, later. Have we mentioned that I like the Ultimate Cut better? I'm just dangling that. Why? So you wanted to wallow in shit longer, (laughs) roll around in the mud, and just, oh, makes so much more sense now that I see extra extended scenes of Superman being mopey and shitty at his job. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God they added those 10 extra minutes of him not still saving people. Talking about Batman versus Superman is like dangling meat in front of an angry, rabid pit bull. It works every fucking time, and I, I love doing it. But yes, there's actually a deeper voice on the show. Uh, There's a... uh, Longtime friend of mine. We started out in stand-up comedy just about together. I haven't seen him for a long time, but yeah, we reconnected, and the man is a huge goddamn geek, uh, although we'll force him to prove it. Uh, Boston comedian Greg Bogus. How you doing, Greg? I am doing fine. It's great to be down here in lovely Waltham. <laughs> yes, in a basement. <laughs> in a basement in Waltham. Yeah, One of simulating. My nice- Simulating a radio station. Showbiz dreams. <laughs> hey, I, I went to college at Brandeis. I spent four solid years. In a uh, basement. I can't remember in a basement. <laughs> <laughs> Waltham does things to you. It explains a great deal about the quality of the show. Watch it. <laughs> but, Speaking uh, of passings, didn't Rex Trailer pass away this year? Who? Rex Trailer from He's a Waltham. TV guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the old cowboy dude. We lost Rex Trailer too. This I think so. He's <laughs> literally heading for the exits. Everybody. I knew he had a TV studio over on Main Street. Exactly. But, but, but I thought it was just that's the kind of name that a '70s pervert would give himself to just yes, uh, I'll take your modeling pictures, honey. <laughs> Rex Trailer, come on in. Uh, funny thing about that, I think he did run like a Rex Trailers like Young Stars program where like kids could pay money and really? like the the they would get trained in auditions for commercials and things like that. And then at the end, you, your big your big reward was getting to meet Rex Trailer. Wow, <laughs> really? That that's so much better than. Candy, although candy, I imagine I'm sure candy was involved. Yes, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He probably had a van. Get to meet Dale Dorman. <laughs> We're going way too local on this. We've, we've got people overseas who listen to this show. They're like, well, now they need to know who Rex Trailer was. The people need to know Rob. 
Wake up, sheeple. Rex Wake up, tra- sheeple. <laughs> Rex trailer is at the top of a conspiracy that goes all the way to Moody Street. <laughs> Via Main Street. <laughs> all right. False flag. You can't keep the real faux media. Would like you to forget that Rex trailer existed. <laughs> All right. So before we go, false flag, Greg, <laughs> Greg, you and I have known each other a long time. I don't Correct. think either of us really knew until recently that we were both massive geeks. Cause I never right. talked about it when I was doing comedy. Yeah, It's kind of weird. Like, like a lot of stuff they didn't really talk about as comics early in the days. It seems like now that with the, like I said, I was talking about the, the atomizing of, of brain matter that the social media does. You, you had <laughs> knowing a lot more about, things about people than you used to back then unless, you know, you'd be talking about how your set was and, you know. Yeah, it was all about, I don't want to say fronting, but (laughs) trying to make sure you're putting out the right image. How great I am. Yeah, and certainly my act wasn't about being a geek, particularly at that (laughs) point. Right. So, yeah, I had no idea. But, uh, yeah, you showed up uh, at the home office today with with a, a package of stuff from the original. Star Wars fan club. Yeah. So (laughs) Literally. Yeah, it's it patches here that I think I had one of them. I think I belonged to the fan club for just before Empire came out. He's got a couple of the original Empire Strikes Back yes. patches. Uh, but that's not even the, the money shot. We've got a Darth Vader patch with the original Ralph McQuarrie. Yes. And uh, a couple of stickers, including, yeah, an early Star Wars one yes. with uh, the Luke Skywalker. Nice. Uh, from the Macquarie concept. Yeah, good stuff. It was probably still Starkiller when that was out. (laughs) Probably. So uh, that definitely helps. We'll we'll ask you one or two trivia questions. Okay. One one of them you said you knew the answer to when we talked on the phone. Correct. What's the serial number of the garbage masher in the first Star Wars? 3263827. All right. (laughs) uh, I've got Benari on video, and he's he's going back like, all right, respect, man. (laughs) Yep. This one's a little more obscure, okay. and I don't know if you know this one or not. What's the call sign of the stormtrooper that Luke and Han ambushed inside the Millennium Falcon uh, right when they got to the Death Star, when they were first captured by the Death Star? That I don't know. That is TK-421. Why aren't TK. you at your post? Uh, TK-421. Uh, everything's okay. Uh, situation normal. Uh, we're all fine here. We're all good. How are you? How are you? <laughs> Boring conversation anyway. hey <laughs> I'll do one more. What, okay. is, what is a midichlorian? Uh, midi- <laughs> <laughs> the Something guy that, that is trying desperately to ruin a franchise that we all love and adore, but it yeah. won't work. It didn't matter who answered that one. That's, that's the appropriate answer. <laughs> I just wanted to see the light in your eyes go dead. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I see in Palpatine, I, I always think of... Uh, Joe, uh, who was the Joe Lieberman for some reason? I'm like, he always looks like Joe Lieberman to me. Talking about midichlorians, I don't know. Why did Joe Lieberman want to know about my midichlorians? <laughs> Joe Lieberman wants to know about my midichlorians. <laughs> Tell me, young Skywalker. And Amanda just put down her first possible title for this episode. There you go. Second, I bet his robocalls were super boring. <laughs> Hello. All right. We have all seen uh, Rogue One at this point, right? Amanda and I have seen it uh, once. We called out of work with Skywalking Pneumonia on <laughs> on Friday to, to be able to go see it. So everybody's seen it twice. Twi- respect. Yes. <laughs> all right. So let's let's start easy. And I think that you know, we all talked a little bit before we started the show. Uh, I think I know the answer to this. Uh, do we all like it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. I I I think that it actually immediately it's it actually did something different within the Star Wars universe and 
and gave the original trilogy higher stakes, I think, because you're always watching the, the movies from the point of view of Luke and Leia and Han who make it through. Right. And so you always hear about, oh, there are very tense battles going on or there's a lot of stakes for the rebels, uh, but you never really feel the full impact of it. And I thought this movie did a really good job of personalizing a lot of the, the, the issues that you were going to run into if you were logically running a rebellion. Yes. Uh, a lot of people are dying. A lot of people, when they go on these missions, don't make it back, right. which actually makes it a bigger deal uh, for what Luke and Leia and Han and, and Lando have done and Chewie. Yeah, no, absolutely. How how the rebellion at this level, at this particular time in the Star Wars universe was portrayed, I liked a lot because I think it was really pretty subversive. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely want to talk about that in a minute. I, I also really liked it. For a minute, I didn't think I was gonna because if Krennic's shuttle pilot could have figured out how to land closer than half a mile away from fucking Galen Erso's house, the movie's five minutes long. <laughs> as soon as I see the thing landing half a mile away, I'm like, oh, all right, we've got to. I did, I did kind of like the Inglorious Bastards uh, sort of <laughs> opening there, uh, yeah. where he, where he very much, it was just very much like you would see uh, a Nazi just playing with his prey sort of thing, where, you know, far in advance, uh, letting them know, slowly just ambling up to the to their little. Moisture farm, I guess. They're also moisture farmers. Uh, dirt uh, farm, whatever. <laughs> they drink They drink blue milk, so that means they're a farmer. Oh, yes, uh, the blue milk. <laughs> the blue milk. I thought, I thought that was a Bantha thing. I didn't realize that was the Star Wars universe fucking Starbucks venti. Apparently, it's just <laughs> everywhere. Uh, seriously. Yeah, well, you know, I think you can freeze it and ship it. They have carbonite. I imagine what else is carbonite for? Carbonite op- absolutely is for shipping Bantha milk across the galaxy. <laughs> That's that's one of the primary ones. Aunt Beru's blue bantha milk, (laughs) freshly frozen in carbonites. Now available at your local dirt farm, yeah. Oh, Aunt Beru. uh, I I did like Krennic as a a villain because, yeah, it's unlike most of the the Imperial villain, he had at least kind of a sense of humor. He was at least sort of not, everything was not this technological terror you've constructed Clearly a deeply insecure, paranoid man. You're going to tell the emperor, right? You're going to tell him how awesome <laughs> well, I, love, I am? I love the, the, the sort of internal politics of the empire as well. And you have ladder climbers and you have people who are really making political plays within this giant organization. And they're very, uh, you know, obviously uh, he's, he's way more concerned with his rise to power than he is with the thing that he's actually creating here. Oh, definitely. Uh, what was the name of the guy in, in Glorious Bastards? Uh, Hans Lanza? Uh, Landa? Yeah. yeah, very. this is about me. And as long as I get out of this okay, that's really all I care about. I would imagine, that's, I'm guessing there was a certain amount of interpretation of that work. And it's uh, a type of imperial villain we haven't seen. Yeah, they're very, uh, they've always been very uh, black and white in terms of like, we are just evil. But this guy, this was the banality of evil. And that's why I really liked him because that's what that's what your average Nazi was. You know, he was just a, a political climber in the organization, just making sure he got his credit. Make, you'll make you'll make sure you tell the Fuhrer that I did a good job. <laughs> exactly. It's all he cares about. And yeah, the minute the the minute the bombs are close to the the Fuhrer bunker, he's he's looking for his plane ticket to Argentina. That's <laughs> that. and I also like too that he didn't just look like your carbon copy villain guy. I mean, you know, you look at. 
Peter Cushing, you're like, oh, there's a bad dude. And you look at him, you're like, oh, you know, you can see him actually being a good guy. He's just not just just not that stone-faced or craggy-faced kind of, you know, it's, you can imagine. Robert Davi guy that always looks like he somebody would be you exactly the same guy seeing. if he worked for the Rebellion doing the right. same mm-hmm. things yeah. but in service to whatever they were doing. Right. Yeah, when he uh, kicks off his jack boots and goes to the bar, he's like, this <laughs> motherfucker Tarkin I'm working for, he's busting my fucking balls. I never get the credit. You can have a beer with him. He'd sell you out to get another beer. You should call but- him Grand Douche Tarkin. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's one of the things that that really struck me was this is really I think the first Star Wars movie probably since the first one where it really felt like it was a lived-in universe. Like part of what I remember, yeah, you know, I was like 5 years old or so when the first Star Wars came out. What I remember all the adults saying was their favorite part of it was the cantina scene. Mm-hmm. Because right. it was, yep, it's this space world, and but after all these years of, yep, we're going to see Logan's Run. Oh, we're going to see Silent Running. It's no, it's a fucking bar. Everybody's just in there. You know, there's clearly cops and spies. It's like you know, like Rick's place in a yeah Casablanca. Well, I love the, the the Jetta Marketplace was very Tatooine, very Cantina esque. Mm. Without it being without it being directly the Cantina. I mean, they again they create this marketplace. They give it a very, it's very Raiders of the Lost Ark feel to it where you're right. like in a Morocco or something. But you also get the sense that, you also get more of a sense of the galaxy hopping that goes on by people who are living their day-to-day lives within uh, under the, the rule of the Empire. Another, I think, thing that this movie did a good job of, uh, and you sort of see it in the background, but just your average stormtroopers giving your average citizens shit. You didn't really see that in Star Wars because the only times you really saw the, the stormtroopers being assholes, they were going after people who were trying to fuck up the Empire. In this, you just saw stormtroopers shaking down people for no reason, just giving people a hard time. They're in, you know, they're in people's faces. There, papers, please. Um, papers, please. Exactly. Walking while blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Write that one down. That's a possible title. <laughs> It was the first time, even outside of Moss Eisley, where it felt like the stormtroopers were really an occupying force. And then, yes. of course, there was the return, uh, the callback with the "I have the death sentence in twelve systems" guy. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Evzon, and uh, hey, shout out to uh, Pando uh, Baba. Is that his name? Pando Baba? No, it's fucking Walrus Man. That's what it said on the fucking Walrus card. Man. Really? That's what it said on the card of my Star Wars figure? Walrus Man. That was that it? was Walrus Man. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's I know they have real names, and I oh was it Snaggletooth? There's a Snaggletooth dude who's the little dude. Okay, no, yeah, and Walrus Man was the Walrus, 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 Walrus. Yeah, he was the one who uh, Kenobi uh, took his arm away. Right. But uh, no, no, Pando Baba, I think was that Pando Baba. And, and yeah, the the, the leper face guy, he's a doctor. I know that he was a doctor. He was a doctor who was doing. Uh, I I believe uh, he then started doing unnatural surgeries, and you know uh, they were they were on the. All we know is they're wanted men. I know. They're wanted men. And, and clearly, they they got out of Jetta just in time. <laughs> That's right. They, were, like, they obviously in, made it. In terms, of, in terms of getting from Jetta to the cantina, it's really not that long from when that operation went off to everything that happens in Star Wars. So, And Jetta blew up almost immediately after that encounter. Right. So By the way, were, I, I should have mentioned this earlier. We're going to be spoiling a lot of the plot elements of <laughs> Rogue One. Post spoiler alert! If you listen to the show at all, you know we just spoil the living shit on anything. So. And to find out that Pando Baba was was Leia's actual dad was just a real. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but did they have to show the conception just to get a PG thirteen? To see that didn't. Need to. <laughs> oh Jesus! But uh, 
for all the stuff that Star Wars has gotten about, oh, it's a lived-in universe, it really, it never, it never was again after the first Star Wars. It's, you could make an argument for Cloud City, but even right. Cloud City, it's uh, yeah, okay, I know that uh, Lando uh, clearly is just going from poon to poon, and Lobot, <laughs> Lobot has a cubicle that he sleeps in until his neck thing goes ping. I think Lobot's main main function when he's not directly serving Lando is just hooking up Tinder dates for Lando. (laughs) His job is just scrolling through the space internet. He's doing the Pepper Potts role in the first Iron Man, just to take out the trash. (laughs) If you like him, swipe right. (laughs) I'm swiping left with my mind. (laughs) (laughs) To get a date with Lando, you have to swipe right on Lobot. (laughs) He's a trim coordinator. But uh, yeah, beyond that and the Ugnaughts, which, you know, I don't know how the people at Cloud City lived. Everything very much consolidated into the the hero's journey. Right. Um, and the, yeah, the only place we saw people really living up until this was, was yeah, Tatooine. I think yeah. that's half of why they kept going back there because half of their work was done for them. Well, we want to show it's a lived-in universe. Go back to Tatooine again. <laughs> but again, I thought this movie did a really great job. It was a, a sort of a, a Saving Private Ryan and Dirty Dozen Star Wars movie. Mm. You know, this was the this was a this was a suicide run rebel mission right. that uh, really brought home the fact that like yeah, the stakes were huge for for the Rebel Alliance and the Rebel Alliance wasn't really that well equipped to go up against the Empire. You know, they were, so, and I, I, that was another great thing that they did was it's so cobbled together. It's exactly what a rebellion would look like. Is no one can agree. Everyone's got their own, uh, they, they have their own agendas that they're bringing to the table. And the, the gut call is always going to be the, the path of least resistance rather than making a, a, a bold shoot the moon type play that might kill everyone. Oh, yeah, it's definitely, we really got the sense in this movie, like I said, that the rebellion, any rebellion, is completely asymmetric warfare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, we sort of saw in the first Star Wars of, you know, okay, yep, we just got uh, 30 snub fighters uh, against um, the, the whole world. But it's, no, it's really, the way it happens in the real world is, yeah, it's in your town, the enemy is there and occupying, and whatever weapons you can build or steal, and it's dirty fighting sometimes. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you know, the the first thing we see Cassian really do yes. is shoot a friend who's providing information in the back, and that guy is terrified. The what I thought was again really well done at setting up the stakes for the average person who has to live under the rule of the Empire was that guy is terrified right. uh, of of what's going to happen because he just said, and he didn't even give that much information. He just you know it was this thing I heard. Yeah, and it's it really fleshed out much more of what it would what it's like to be Joe Blow from. Mm-hmm. Tatooine or where wherever living under imperial occupation and rule because we really only saw person on stormtrooper interactions outside of the scope of heroes gun battles in in Tatooine sure. and it was mm-hmm. Obi Wan Kenobi basically no not the droid you're looking for yeah. so it, it's a big well, deal killed, look they did they did burn two uh, elderly farmers uh, <laughs> you know, alive that was that that was sort of shitty but that, was, yeah. that was a little repressive. <laughs> Point taken, but we didn't see that happen. Right. It's, it's seeing, uh, yeah, people just. But again, they were they were searching for the droids. They had a they had a mission that was directly related to the Empire. It wasn't just your average uh, shit giving. Yeah, and there was never a sense the way there is uh, here that the Empire was always there. Now, right. Clearly, the Empire, and and that may have been the case on uh, Jesus. What, what was the name of the fucking 
planet where they're mining the kyber crystals. Like, uh, yeah, you do? No. No, the, it's the shit. I forget. The mining planet. Somebody's already said the name of it and I've forgotten it already. I thought that was Jetta. Jetta, thank you. Um, Jedi. It's, it Jedi. may have been the it may well, have been the case like Jedi because the kyber crystals power the uh, lightsabers. Yes. And, and again, so we're coming up on Hanukkah. If you want to talk about a small band of rebels taking on an evil empire, uh, which is the story of Hanukkah, they 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 desecrate the temple. They, yeah. the, the kyber crystals are in a desecrated Jedi temple that are that are guarded by zealots. Definitely zealots in this. So yeah, yeah. But which uh, is again, which is a great another great element of this movie which is they really show you that you know the zealotry that would be necessary to successfully wage a rebellion against this type of opponent uh you were going to need some zealots like he was successful the saw guerrera oh Uh, yeah this is the first movie again not just to show asymmetric warfare but really almost showed the tactics before they got the plans as damn near terrorism Mm-hmm. They're throwing bombs at where the you know grenades and whatever they they can get at where the stormtroopers are. They're blowing up their own streets, and yeah, you will have a guy like Saw Gerrera for every Princess Leia who's out pressing the flesh and mm-hmm. looking for high level volunteers to build a fleet and getting you know some Bitcoin checks or whatever under the table. <laughs> yeah, you've got three guys who are strapping on belts of thermal detonators getting ready to run in the street and Kaplui. and instead of Alu Akbar scream may the force be with you. Right. That's one thing I thought was really effective in this the the way people talked about the force it really almost made may the force be with you sound you know, if you're an imperial Little fanatic. And, yeah, if you're yeah, an yeah. imperial who's loyal to the empire or at least you know sort of in a, a mindset that feels more and more familiar sometimes of, well, all right, this will stop eventually. <laughs> it's yeah. To, to hear somebody screaming that immediately followed by explosions would be fucking terrifying. Mm. That, means, that means in a new hope where we're actually looking at the story of the radicalization of Luke Skywalker. Well, we always have been. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, but no, in the context of this movie. <laughs> oh, right. It, this made it, this made it official. Yeah. Uh, it's, and, and, you know, Leia is very crooked, uh, stealing, all sorts of info and uh, right. hiding it in a private server. Leaking, <laughs> and then she leaks it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Try not and to she get... lied. She wasn't on a diplomatic mission. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that, was, that was one quibble I had for the setup to be, okay, hand the plans through the door and the Tana V4 is going to escape. How did anybody even think that they could tell Darth Vader, oh, no, it's a diplomatic mission. It makes that excuse fall completely apart. Well, but Unless I like that because that's why she was sent on some phony diplomatic mission. But she was there. obviously that's the cover story. It but Vader it. saw it. Like Vader saw the ship. So like that's Ooh. that that gives that that gives that opening. I, I don't know. It had, it had so much more texture. I mean, we all knew it was bullshit anyway. But, oh yeah. But but it makes but it makes Vader the cleaner. Like he's the fixer. You call Vader in when, when everyone else has fallen right. down on the job and you need someone to clean up their fucking mess, you send in Vader. He's and Mike. that's what's great is like he's he's held back for the whole time. And then it's like, all right, send in Vader. He's got to go murder some people. <laughs> Pull him out of his tub of agar. <laughs> yeah. the guy, the guy get, can only shoot get, up. You know, he gets a few minutes of like peace and relaxation in his bubble bath where he can just meditate <laughs> and not think about the extreme <laughs> agony that he lives in in every second that he has to wear the fucking suit. And that fucking sniveling weasel comes to him. Eh, eh, you'll tell the emperor for me. He's like, I am in massive pain here. Yeah, was Here's that one of the Monty Python guys? I'm going to make a bad pun. <laughs> was that one of the Monty Python guys that went and got it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh Jesus! I'm just sitting here thinking that. Oh, gee, wait, you, just from Pulp Fiction, you, you said Invader. Shit, yeah. that's all you needed to say. Why did you say so? Like that, you know, it was enough that I think just saying Vader was was enough to to to, to scare the fuck out of people. It's it's twelve parsecs away. I'll be there in less. <laughs> but before we get back to the. Uh, terrorism and asymmetric warfare just one thing about vader being the badass and this is an observation that uh trebuchet who's a friend of the show and was mm-hmm. on our uh, force awakens show brought up uh, after the movie was one thing he had a problem with and it, this kind of makes sense was to see vader be that bad a motherfucker basically walking down almost exactly the same hall that stormtroopers and then he went through at the beginning of the first star right. wars doesn't that number one show that Part of how certain people are able to rationalize how generally kind of wussy the final lightsaber battle between Kenobi and Vader is, is they're both old. They're not at their best anymore. Well, two things I'll say about that. Let's say that they're at the peak so that they're they're basically canceling each other out in terms of what what they're utilizing. They can't fight necessarily like young men, but whatever level that they're operating on is on another level altogether. Uh, secondly, Vader's going to be pretty tired after murdering all those people uh, by himself uh, because it basically follows he just he murders an entire ship then he's got to go chase down another fucking ship That's like, the guy's <laughs> fucking tired but just, just, and then he's got this he's got the princess just lying to his face oh we're on a diplomatic mission shut the fuck up <laughs> you're not on a diplomatic mission you know what tear the ship apart I, I just want fucking plans do I have to do everything myself why do I even have stormtroopers <laughs> Can I can I just get back in my my Red Bull can of goop and just rest for a while? Is that possible? I just need to get back to my Calgon. Take me away. <laughs> my Ghostbusters juice. I suppose that makes sense because the other point I was going to make was well, shit. Yeah, if Vader can just walk through the entire ship. Why did they send? 20, 30 stormtroopers through first to get in a gun battle. It's what is that the Empire layoff plan? It's like get get the lowest performers and yeah, you guys go in and I'll just clean up afterwards. That's yeah, basically. So are you reducing the, the Darth Vader Obi Wan Kenobi battle to the older brother putting his <laughs> hand on his little brother's forehead while the brother swings at him? It's a I'm I'm absolutely not, but come on, Gramps. It's a look, there's there's more emotion in that lightsaber right. battle than in the 30 minutes of highly choreographed, you know, stuff. Yeah, that, that we all said was, you know, well, at least the lightsaber battles have gone to a new level to, to, yeah, to convince ourselves that we, we hadn't, didn't, weren't fucking had going to see the Phantom Menace. <laughs> right. We got something good had. out of it. So, but yeah, if Vader could just walk down the hall and kill 30 dudes just sort of swinging the lightsaber... But again, I think it takes its toll. The more he has to do that and the more he's got to keep things, you know, he's basically keeping the door. He's trying to crush the dude with the door. He's got a guy up on the ceiling. He's got, you know, he's murdering people with his lightsaber. And, you know, that's, I, by the way, that sequence was phenomenal. Yeah, that was great. That's gotta that was, go. That was that's like, got to go up there. I was like creeped out. I'm like, oh, man, he really is a creepy, strong dude. <laughs> What's a- and, and you have to, again, It's uh, there's an element that you sort of forget with Darth Vader that he is brutal yeah. and that he is remorseless right. in getting the job done. And that if he keeps you alive, it's a privilege. He has a reason for it. Yeah. Uh, he, he has an absolute method to his madness. Well, it's, it's very much the show of force and characterization that we've been getting in the Kieran Gillen Darth mm-hmm. Vader series that just ended. 
And uh, yeah, I was just reminded there was a whole sequence where he went on a diplomatic mission to a planet that <laughs> insisted upon certain negotiations and norms and diplomacy. And in response, he just pulled something out of his cloak and said, this is a piece of Alderaan. Ooh. So, <laughs> Ouch. So, yeah, particularly in the comic books, they've been amping Vader up past just the, yes, he's brutal and, yeah, we'll kill you from a starship away if you fail him to, no, I'll destroy everything in my path and do whatever I need to or even feel like I want to in order to obtain my means. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm just saying to get Vader up to that level of prowess kind of forces you to think about certain things in Star Wars. I refuse to call it a new hope. God damn it, it's Star Wars. But it does, uh, it also did a good job of making me forget the awful pun that he made in the middle of the movie for no reason. <laughs> Which pun? Carefully don't, don't choke on yeah. your aspirin. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, where he turned around. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's choking it. Yeah, don't. No, 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 no. <laughs> Bad Vader. <laughs> it's, uh, look. It, he better than this. <laughs> he, he may have been tired, uh, like you said, because God knows his voice sounded tired. I'm glad they got James Earl Jones. He's getting up there. It, it really sounded like, all right, James, just suck on your respirator for as much as you need to. Okay, now we'll do the next three lines, and we'll give you your oxygen back. And don't worry, we'll we'll pay in Bitcoin, whatever you need to make sure the check clears. At so, this point, also- you should just get James Earl Jones to record a, a, like a thousand different phrases <laughs> yeah. so that you can just use them for whatever Star Wars movies right. they're going to make for the next 20 years. Plunk them in front of a microphone with the Webster's Dictionary. Just read every word, James. Just keep reading. <laughs> we'll make it worth your while. This is CNN. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was more afraid of CNN than some of the sort of raspy lines that he did. <laughs> but it, it's, it was good to hear him again. But it was... Am I the only one who, as good as that sequence was of Vader going down the hall, just wiping everybody out, I didn't realize I was kind of excited where it's like, shit, I'm going to see a whole Star Wars movie without a lightsaber. I, I Again, I thought when the lightsaber appeared, it was such a good use of the lightsaber. And we again, we had, you had held off on it. It, it, gave, us, it gave us the trick without, without making us aware that we were even being tricked mm. into not seeing a lightsaber. Mm. Yeah. It it definitely came as a surprise at that particular point, but it's which, I, which is which is a neat thing to do when you go into a Star Wars movie and then you get a genuine moment of surprise when someone whips out a lightsaber. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, and it's bright red. Oh God, what movie is this? <laughs> but yeah, it's. I think part of the problem is just backlash for me still from the prequel trilogies because we got away from. This is a lived-in universe, and it became fucking lightsabers everywhere, and bigger lightsabers, and cooler. Oh, a double-bladed lightsaber. Oh, look, Yoda has a lightsaber. Why does Yoda have a lightsaber? Because reasons, and we have fucking Adobe After Effects. And, uh, ooh, mm. Kylo, <laughs> Kylo Ren, yeah. he's got a hilted lightsaber. Everything has been lightsabers for so long. I was but that's why of- I liked having, you know, the fact that they brought the Order of the Wills, which anyone who, who reads now the non-canon stuff or uh, the novelizations and, and uh, a lot of the novels and the comics, uh, the Order of the Wills were the sort of the uh, monks of the Jedi Order. They weren't Jedi knights. Uh, they weren't uh, Jedi masters. They, were, they just followed the Force and... and were aware of the force, but they weren't trained Jedi, so they didn't have lightsabers and things like that. So I mean, we got to see some good kung fu ninja shit from 
from, oh, you know, Jedi monks. Yeah. Basically. Apparently to be a Jedi is to be Superman and to be a monk of the wills is to be daredevil slash Hawkeye. Yeah. <laughs> or the Punisher. <laughs> or both. Yeah. You have your daredevil and you have your Punisher. Yeah. I mean, look, it's always very easy to be a Kung Fu ninja when you have a giant man with a Gatling gun standing behind you. That's always good backup. Yeah. And, uh, That's my motto, always have a guy with a Gatling gun. Uh, and yeah, uh, what was his name? Chirrut? He had the best line in the movie. They put the bag on his head. He's like, really? I'm already <laughs> blind. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, it says, I think I've got lightsaber fatigue. It's, did, uh, yeah. Did, Sorry, did, go ahead. Did the cane, did his cane, was that, did that turn into the gun? He had a laser thing on it. Okay. Yeah, it, it had something that, that fired, but it was mostly uh, as a, his backup guy, right. the... Uh, Bay's oh, Malbus. I wrote it down with yes. the note machine gunner slash punisher. Time time has really taken its toll on me. I've just I just described something in Star Wars as it had a laser thing on it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Twenty years ago I would not have left that stand. <laughs> I've told the story repeatedly of uh, my parents went to see the first Star Wars because I was five and my brother was three. My parents went to see the first Star Wars to make sure it would be okay for us. And I distinctly remember my mom telling me about it and and saying it's it's about a kid who has a a flashlight that turns (laughs) into a sword and uh, he's got a, a gumball machine that follows him. And his best friend is a golden man. And I remember asking, is this a cartoon that you're describing? Because <laughs> wow. she didn't have any vocabulary to describe it with. Wow. So, yeah, congratulations. We're all becoming our parents. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll pour the hemlock just, at the end of the show. You're trying to describe it. Like, I mean, you ask me, like, oh, Chewbacca had it. You mean his bowcaster? Yes, that's the weapon he has. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know the name of the laser thing for the, the Kung Fu Wills monk yet. So. <laughs> Cheer it in way. <laughs> Yeah, I made cheat sheets for all the character names. The blind monk, Chiridimwe. Yes. Great eyes. That's that's one thing visually on this. They made such a big deal with Force Awakens of, oh, we're we're doing everything on film and we're we're using even some of the original cameras to get the the look right. Uh, th- this was I think done all digitally and number one I still think it I think it looked just fine. Sure and, did. And it lets you do better visual effects in certain ways. We'll get to the ways where it's not so good in a minute. Well, let me let me let me jump in here then. Uh, okay, we're, I can, we'll get back to the good stuff, and I feel like we should end on 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 just how kick ass the movie was and and what it did. Yes, yeah, so uh, we haven't. Uh, but let's uh, drag uh, it through uh, the mud for a moment. <laughs> just a moment. Well, we haven't even talked about Jin or uh, you know Captain Inigo Montoya yet. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, or K two S O, who I think stole I think stole the movie. He was great. A different type of droid than we've seen. Uh, you know, the fact that he was menacing and imposing and sarcastic. And he, basically, I would describe him as that droid had autism. He had no, uh, he was ba- like, they basically created a, 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 a droid who's on the spectrum. I don't mean this in a negative way. I just mean they created a droid who's on the spectrum who has no ability to prevent himself from saying exactly what's on his mind at all times, whether the situation calls for it or not. Yeah, no filter. Yeah, yeah filter. zero filter. Oh, just that opening line of "You are being rescued. Please do not resist." Yes. Like, all right, uh, I've, I got you. You're all right. Yep. And and the nice callback to like, well, the odds of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh, and the interrupted. I've got a bad feeling about. Shut up. Yep. <laughs> now the pun was almost, almost inexcusable. Except we got a badass Vader scene at the end, so I forgive that one. Okay. Uh, the Darth, plus, he was interrupted from his Calgon back. Yeah. So again, right. you know, uh, understandable. That's fine. 
All right. So I thought the the last the that's that scene was so good in trying to get the tapes and getting the tapes down to end it with basically a video game cutscene of Princess Leia. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah. The fact that the last thing you see is a CGI digital video gamey face. I would have preferred if it was just from, you know, just see her from the back or have her fucking yeah. bend down and give us the iconic shot of her like actually putting the film into R2 or something. But yeah, yeah, I number one, I'm I'm ninety percent sure that audio sample of hope came from the holiday special, which is almost unforgivable. Uh, but <laughs> at least they at least they didn't give us the song she sings <laughs> from Life Day. They could have given us B. Arthur. Just, just B. Arthur <laughs> at the end of it. B. Arthur. But, but yeah, it's a I I called them all through the movie uh, cutscene Tarkin and real doll Leia. Yes. And the technology <laughs> is just not there to do that yet. The first appearance of Tarkin where he was kind of half in shadow. Um, now, if they just kept him in shadow, and that was the last thing, is Tarkin, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin, CGI Tarkin, bugged me. Uh, because it was like, it, it was, it, again, it was just a, you're right, video game cutscene. And it's for all the trouble they went to to get James Earl Jones to try to get the voice to match. Whoever they got was not a particularly good Peter Cushing imitator. So the voice... Right, I mean, you already sort of abandoned that. And also, we know the, the guy died. We're like, we know, like, if you had replaced him with another actor and done it in shadow or just brought in another actor and been like, that's Grand Moff Tarkin, we would have been okay. It was Fred Travelina in a green suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, they didn't even need Tarkin. Yeah, just, right. just uh, have... Well, I did think that it did a good job of making Tarkin more of a badass because he is so brutally efficient and, uh, and again, he's just that classic... Uh, villain, but the fact that he he uh, is it, it makes him more of a strategist in in ter- instead of a bumbling idiot heading into uh, a new hope. Because you know, again, he's the guy famously who's abandoned, yeah. no, evacuated in a moment evacuated. of triumph. In a moment of triumph. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, but I don't think you needed to make Tarkin more badass. He Vader, release him. He's the only one who could push Vader around, and Vader took it. But now, but now you also see that he, he that again. I don't mind seeing him in action. I think it's good to have that. Uh, I really like that. To me, that was really interesting. Was that the political battle between the two of them? I thought that that was that was a nice little bit of texture to the universe. Yeah, like little, you don't you know you don't sort of see you don't see that uh, right. in the Star Wars universe. And so this was and and again you don't see that as much as the prequels tried to give us Senate intrigue. We didn't. <laughs> It was. It's not how. That's not how politics operate. That's not. That's not how things work. Right. You don't get elected princess or queen, and then they appoint you a senator. That's not how the political system. Works. <laughs> that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> it definitely made everything. Yeah, seem much more grounded because. Yeah, that's the kind of petty bullshit that. It, it, it was Empire as your homeowners association. Just people <laughs> arguing over petty shit, and uh, I want to get credit for this, and where's my goddamn check, and why does he get to have a sign you know, that says, my Death Star? And the Emperor <laughs> will be raising your condo association <laughs> on the first. <laughs> Try not to choke on the increase. Oh. 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 Works on two levels, because my fucking condo fees are going up on the first. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the the technology was just not there. And frankly, the the other 
some of the fan service I had a, a problem with. It's a, like seeing Walrus Man and Dr. Leper. For them to, hey, to watch move. it, he's got the death sentence on twelve systems. Uh, I know. I'll be careful. It's a. It's <laughs> You'll a, be it, dead. It, it's good that he escaped just in time to get chopped apart by Obi Wan Kenobi for oh, Christ's sake. Right. But uh, yeah, to see them it, every almost every time I saw it, it pulled it out of the movie, including when we saw C three PO and R two D two. But I'll give that a pass because it's a Star Wars movie, and yes, I'm willing to say I, they I have to be a super in pass. It. I'm glad they used them. Although to know that they were then on the the uh, the ship, they, they were then on Leia's ship. At the end, why don't you just save them for that moment of like, as they're running by, you run by R2 and C-3PO and they're having a conversation. I mean, like they're on that ship. Valid point. Yeah. So you didn't need to put, you didn't need the Easter egg when the ships are taking off to go to the battle, uh, you know, uh, in the tropical paradise that is, that is is the, where they keep the plans for the day. My question is, did, did, was that chosen just specifically because he wanted to live on a tropical island? Like you didn't need to store the stuff there. It's a tropical paradise, it looks like. I'm not... That was just sort of the... I got the sense for years that's been where the Empire keeps their shit. <laughs> in, in, very, in a very nice... It's a, oh, it's a, you know what? Actually, that makes perfect sense. It's the Bahamas. Got yeah. it. Done. Yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> that's, a, their offshore, that's, that's their offshore tax shelter. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Empire's offshore tax shelter. Yeah, I got to go... Uh, I got to go pick up some uh, blueprints. Uh, it's going to take me a week. Yep. <laughs> it's the Caymans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That was a giant humidor, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, the thing. Another thing Trebuchet mentioned was like, what kind of piece of shit asshole said, okay, we're going to have this giant satellite dish to, to beam things to and pick stuff up. And uh, no, this giant exposed friggin' balcony just sticking out of the side. We're going to force people to eyeball the dish. You know, like, right. like in 2001, A Space Odyssey. And I'll go out here on this precarious thing. It's a yeah. At least they had a railing. I, I figured it was you know, whoever designed it said, you know, Jesus, we work for Nazis in a surveillance state. Where are we going to smoke dope? Well, let's, <laughs> let's make a balcony way the fuck away from everything. Yeah, the Nazis have probably had a pretty rough OSHA. <laughs> <laughs> what, what OSHA? That's the first railing I think I've seen in Star Wars. Was around that fucking balcony. Uh, so what, what else do we want to hit on this? How do we get? We haven't talked about any of the main fucking characters yet. <laughs> right. Well, no, I mean, oh, I no, it's they, actually you know, one, again, they, one thing I want to hit before that is we're, we're talking about fan service. I was really sucked out of it with all the recycled red leader and gold leader, not just footage, but audio. If you've seen Star Wars as many times as I'm sure we have, I knew exactly which red leader lines were straight from, um, straight from Star Wars. And it's a, I get why they did it. And I, I did have well, a moment. They didn't re-record those. They're just, what, they just looped them. Yeah, they just, there were some that were taken straight from the first movie. It's I couldn't tell you which ones, but it's a, all right. Red leader. Yeah, if we were to watch oh, it now, I could pick them out. Um, and where I get, was Porkins? <laughs> I did miss Porkins. Uh, I did see Biggs, um, and I, I get why you do it. All right, we got to provide some continuity here. And yes, this same red leader would be the same red leader. And I did get a good chuckle out of oh, that's why Luke was able to get a ship. Red Five fucking lost. You know, they wiped out Red Five, so there was an opening on Red Squadron. Where was Wedge? Where was Wedge? They did call out Captain Antilles they, uh, when when Bail Organa takes off and he's like, "I will trust her with my, I would trust her with my life." And he says, "Captain Antilles." They did, but it was a different Captain Antilles who was the the captain owner of, of captain of the Tantive uh, of the Tantive, uh, yeah. Because remember C three PO when he's talking with Luke during his uh, oil bath, 
Um, <laughs> I mean, once I finally got done with that scene and could watch it without masturbating, uh, <laughs> I picked up. He's like, no, we were uh, under Captain Antilles. You jerk off to the weirdest things. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, teach you on the oil bath. That's not the scene that would come to mind. <laughs> 3PO's wasn't the only arm that eventually turned red. That's all I can say. Man, when your mom described it as a, a golden man, <laughs> I, had, oh I had the straightest boner for a five-year-old. Oh, my. It's a so, gumball machine, and it's from the golden man. Sounds like something I'm going to jerk off to when I'm older. Mom, tell me this story slower. <laughs> but it's, was there too much fan service in it? Uh, well, you did have the uh, the, the the shout out to the uh, the T sixteen uh, Skyhopper uh, when the stormtroopers are talking on uh, Scarif. It's like, do you hear the they're about to retire or whatever? They're, they're, I, I've only seen it once, so I can't. Yeah, I, it and I, I may not have picked up on that. What was but the T sixteen? What was the T sixteen? Like a yeah. Uh, the T sixteen was a. What Luke, what Luke said. It's like, I used to bullseye womp rats in my T-16 back home. Oh, yes. And it also calls back to the Stormtrooper conversation they have when Obi-Wan is, when he's turning off the, uh, the shield generator. Uh, when, he, when, he's, when he's deactivating the shields on the Death Star, uh, there's like a whole conversation where they, they're just talking about cars and shit. Space cars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you know? that's what Stormtroopers used to talk about before they became clones, thank, retroactively. Thank God. Oh, got- and thank God these were classic Star Wars-sounding Stormtroopers. Yes. Not, the, not the fucking, you know, eh, ship on the bobby, mate. I'm a stormtrooper <laughs> now. Yep, just old school. And, and at least we're back to that with uh, with episode seven. It's uh, no more yeah. this clone shit. It's just you're either conscripted or you volunteer, and it's people. Cause- well, in episode seven, they didn't make a big deal about the fact that that was a special stormtrooper unit that was of non-clones, that they are that they're a specialized unit. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. But yeah, they, they make mention of the fact that basically it's, it's his, I don't know if it's a pilot program per se, but it's definitely a break from the norm where they're, where they're bringing in conscripted people. This is, again, this is their like, you know, it's been running for 15, 20 years or whatever, but it's, but it's their. <laughs> What's the empire term for Weebelo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like I needed another excuse to dig that Blu-ray out. <laughs> I'm going oh, to have to watch it again. Son of a bitch. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, was it was it too much fan service? Because almost every time it happened, if I, I get why you do it. Because if, if you got somebody who is between five and 13, 14 years old, and uh, yeah, they're, they're going to, oh yeah, this proves it's all tied together. I got this connection. Maybe I'm not the target audience. I'm Look, a I, I didn't mind it because I thought this one movie did what the three prequels couldn't do, which was tie it, <laughs> tie it uh into the the original Star Wars trilogy, uh, and then create a nice deeper background leading up to the events that we're all familiar with, and then fill in some of the some some of the blanks, and uh, and cre- and and continue exploring the universe further. Well, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. It definitely seemed that it, it offered a real feeling of actual an actual strong story that wasn't overshadowed by a lot of the. Lumpy special effects and and yeah, and, and this, po- this and to poor, me, this uh, to me, dialogue. Yeah, and it's it tied a lot of shit together, which I'll, I'll give it a, a lot of credit for. You know? And this to me felt like there's a million stories in the Star Wars universe. This is one of them, you know, hmm. type of thing. Where okay, and just to let you know, like where it's taking place within uh, within the storyline. I mean, we all know, like again, it ends moments before the opening scene of Star Wars. So, in terms of that. 
it's nice to see little moments to remind us of that when having not, you know, if you're, if you're not going to watch the movie or haven't watched it just before watching Rogue One, it's nice to just be reminded of like, okay, here's where we are in the story and here's where we are in the universe. And I don't mind seeing that. It's like friendly faces just to like, yep, and it definitely ties it. It's definitely canon. It definitely is here. And again, it, it provi- for me, the storyline itself provided some nice stakes for what the Rebel Alliance was trying to accomplish. That loops back to the whole idea of asymmetric warfare and damn near yeah. terrorism. And I really, I think on purpose, got a sense of this movie and this story is where, yeah, the what they called in the opening crawl of Star Wars, the ragtag group of mm-hmm. rebels, which are really, yeah, they're ragtag because they have stolen grenades. And yeah, somebody is creating land speeder bombs to inflict terror. This is where they reached a point where, number one, they could play with the big boys and mm-hmm. inflict real hurt, but also start reckoning with, okay, the fact that we can do that means that, I, I don't know if I want to say yeah. we can't play this kind of dirty warfare anymore, or, or if it was just a sense of, we finally have a chance to do something real, and I've done terrible things to get to this point, and we've all done terrible things to get to this point that we regret so we'll, but one of the things, but one of the things that I liked was they didn't have hard proof that there was even a weakness in the Death Star or that there were plans to steal. She saw a hologram message from her father, who the rebellion had already basically tagged as a traitor that needed to be killed. Once he's dead, she comes back with this story that only she uh, is aware of, and they have to take a vote on on the veracity of her word. So. What I liked about that, too, is there is still an element of faith, even though the force is, is ever present in the movie, but we don't see it directly like we do with Obi-Wan Kenobi or Luke Skywalker. Yeah. In, in, in this, there's a early on, you know, her mom, right before she died, right before Jin's mom, you know, bites it. She gives her the little crystal, like, remember the force, you know, follow the force, use the force, that, that type of thing. There is an element of that, that the force is surrounding and binding everyone and that you have to make a conscious choice to believe that there was faith here. And in this, it takes the, uh, it manifests itself through their faith in her. They have to believe her and that this is a mission worth losing all these lives for. You know, you're starting to sound like a fanatic. (laughs) (laughs) The force is with me and I'm with the force. (laughs) I am one with the force. Who is radicalizing you, Benari? (laughs) I was radicalized at birth. <laughs> I was born into Star Wars. Yeah, that we, we we all have that story, man. But yeah, it's it felt very much like an attempt at redemption for this horrible type of warfare. I mean, let's face it, this is a Star Wars movie where the first mission is yeah, break Jin out so that we can more effectively kill her father, assassinate her dad. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah that's kind of heavy. I mean, the whole movie, I was I was really quite struck by the the heavy elements to it. It was definitely definitely had a lot more gravity than almost all of the other ones combined. It just really had a there was a couple of moments where I was almost getting choked up just because of uh, you know probably more you know larger cultural uh, atmospherics that that seemed to have been playing in the film and all that, but it was quite it was quite good. It really did give me that intense and gritty feeling. Yeah, like we've been talking about, it's it's the first time it felt like a real rebellion. Right. It's always yeah. very much, Star Wars, All, in my opinion, has very much been good guys and bad guys. 
And that's that's really the main. It's we need to be able to identify these are the good guys and these are the bad guys, right. and they just do enough good or bad stuff so that yep, we can identify the teams, even to the point of Force Awakens where it's uh, okay, yep, these are the bad guys, and now these are the good guys, and yet somehow they're the resistance, even though no, you're the man, you you beat the Empire, you're you're not resisting shit, you're the man now, and where do these where do these you're guys the governing body of the galaxy? Yes, and where did this new ragtag group get the money to do this Star Killer base? I don't know reasons. It, the important thing is there's good a Kickstarter. Yeah, they... <laughs> did it go fund me for a death base, but. It, this is the first movie to really make no it's if it is this is a political reality this is how things would work it, it was in a lot of ways like we've been talking about politically the most realistic of any of the star wars properties that i've seen yeah very much so and i i also really like that in much the same way that world war 2 produced all these uh sort of it, it, World War II has been romanticized so much, and then along would come a movie like The Dirty Dozen or Saving Private Ryan, which just shows you, you know, no one makes it out alive. Um, and yeah. it just shows you some of the gritty reality also of this war overall that has, is romanticized. Well, Star Wars is so romanticized. This was a nice direction to go in and, and unique, I think, in creating a, a story that would show what, you know, the grittiness of a real war would be. It's not just the the space battles. Or uh, there's something far more terrifying to me about seeing the Death Star strategically blow up a city and and destabilize a planet like that. But just targeting a city and blowing it up from from the sky is almost more terrifying than destroying an entire planet. Yeah, because of the scale, I can I can wrap my head around a city being destroyed. Well, and you're on the ground for it. And as you're it's on the happening. ground. Yeah, yeah. And word will spread. Nobody on Alderaan is saying shit. Do you know what the Empire yeah. has now? No, that- and of course, and there's already Alderaan truthers. There's like, ah, Alderaan never existed. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been to Alderaan? No one's from Alderaan. <laughs> yeah, okay. Who created the maps? Yeah. <laughs> How did they get to you? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, on that level, it, it was probably my favorite. I give them credit for a movie that, again, is ostensibly, as Lucas always said, oh, it's for kids. To kill all the fucking heroes, it takes balls. Yeah, it takes a commitment to this is the kind of story that we're telling. You're not yeah. going to get out of this alive. And I have to hand it to Star Wars. Uh, and 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 look, I thought that was really an interesting take for Disney to explain what we'd all been wondering, which is why there are no minorities in Star Wars. And that's because the Empire killed them all in Rogue One. Yeah. <laughs> Um, every fucking minority got wiped out in right. Rogue One. Oh yeah, that's, I guess that's true. But yeah, we, that's, why, that's why there's very little diversity right. in the original trilogy. Well, you can say "May the Force be with you," but it's not a guarantee, is it? <laughs> and I, the Force is is with some people more than others. I also appreciate that with the Force Awakens and and Rogue One um, that they didn't bother to have a, a, a love story shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. That I, I was very appreciative of that. Sometimes you just want to watch Thank a movie <laughs> and yeah. and not have to worry about, oh, they're going to inevitably hook up because reasons, because that right. happens in so many movies. But I don't know, at that last moment where uh, where Jin and Cassian were just waiting for the shockwave to come, I'm like, fuck her, Cassian, you're running out of time. <laughs> I'm very popular. Great shot, Jin. Movie. <laughs> at, least, at least grab her. <laughs> I think we can also say uh, definitively those were not Ray's parents. 
right? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, no, Jin and, and Cassian oh, not raise right. parents. No. <laughs> right. No, Pondo, Pondo, Bubba. Walrus, dude. I was hoping for a cameo from Cliff Clavin, too. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't show up. That's right, from Empire. <laughs> but, uh, and yeah, the, the scope of this battle and how badly it turned out and how it almost didn't work to the point of, uh, yeah, just sort of handing it through the submarine door. Mm-hmm. Take it, I'm about to die. Uh, number one, really makes the stakes of the battle in Star Wars that much higher because one of the things I thought was really good in this was it really sort of explained away why yeah, there's almost nobody at Yavin 4. All they have are snub fighters. Yes, they have a fleet, but after this, they're going to disperse. And I'm sure it's, a, okay, the rendezvous will be in this much time and this right. many days. And we have, and to, we have to regroup and there has to be another, you know, again, this is, and, you know, I thought this was so well done, that roundtable meeting. I mean, just think of everything you've heard from the left during this campaign season and how fractured they were, even though they were facing off against a very, you know, it seemed to be a unified front and they couldn't even agree on the, the proper way to, to go forward with things. And this is, this is very much how a rebellion would sound like to me. Like, ah, well, I don't know about that. That seems like that's a lot of time and energy to go after someone's dead dad's plans. It may or may not exist. I can't. Yeah, this is bullshit. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Look, I'm sorry, but uh, you know, if, look, I didn't vote for Mon Mothma, okay? So this would have happened if we voted for the other guy in charge. I, I, <laughs> I heard General Dodonna's father might have killed a uh, senator. <laughs> That's I, what people say. That's what people say. I, I, I don't want to. Has I, anybody I, seen Jabba Ailes? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I try not to get political on this show. Sorry about but, that. But again, you can imagine. You know, this is exactly not everyone is is. Uh, lockstep because that's not what you do. Nazis get in lockstep, so it's very easy to rule <laughs> that's, people. They, they, invented the, <laughs> that's, they invented the word, didn't they? I, I think so, yeah. 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 Uh, all right, so yeah, let's talk about some of the, because yeah, we've talked about all the moving parts and, and bits and pieces. It's uh, Let's talk about the, the characters. Are, are we... One more thing before you get into that, though. God damn it. Sorry. It's fine, dude. What do you got? <laughs> that the original Star Wars, right, the 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 scene at the end with the Death Star and the fighters and all that was very much modeled on the old World War II mm-hmm. dogfights. Mm. Yeah. And then looking at the elements of what was going on in this movie and, and and it is certainly indicative of what we have seen on TV in the media as what are the current kind of battles going on in, in, throughout the world as opposed to... Oh yeah, it's it was much more indicative of modern warfare. Right. You know, it's... Yeah, Star Wars was very much, yeah, by being a World War II movie, almost nation states against each other, even though the rebellion was supposed to, look, they had a home planet, they had a base, um, and it was very much, yeah, nation state warfare over territory. Where's the base so we can come and take it? Take land and hold, take land and hold. Although although I will say that the the battle at uh, Scarif was very D-Day. Yeah. You know, you have the ships coming in and then the... the, the adats come in as backup and just slaughter everyone. They were on a and, beach. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was. It, yeah, they were on a literal beach. So, yeah, that's right. A little, little from here to eternity at the end. Absolutely. Yeah, except, except, so, with, no, I mean, except for the I mushroom cloud. It's true to its World War II roots mm. in terms of a lot of the things that it was still referencing were still sure. very much in keeping with the spirit of it's a, the yeah, trilogy. Yeah, I hadn't picked up on that connection at all. But yeah, it's very much. 
uh, yeah, a combination of invasion force and uh, yeah, Benari, I think you said it, the, the dirty dozen. It, men on a mission, we got to get in and try to get out. It's a half-assed guerrilla mission that somehow they managed to get air support and turn it into D-Day. Yeah. Just right up to the point where it's then, okay, uh, then just, okay, now we got to get out of here. And yeah, the scene of X-Wings just crashing against the Star Destroyer. Yeah, all right, before we get into the, the characters, some of the visuals in this movie, oh. and you, you'd yeah. expect it from a guy who directed Godzilla, who understands giant monsters and scale. Yes. And even more so than The Force Awakens, which tried like hell with Starkiller Base to show mm-hmm. bigger and better yeah, I'm just thinking the two scenes that stuck out for me were the TIE fighter and then the Star Destroyer comes out of shadow to just dwarf oh, it. Yeah. And then we cut from that to the Death Star dwarfing it just to show how things are right. just on this huge scale. And yeah, the Death Star, why it never occurred to anybody to have the Death Star eclipse your local sun before <laughs> the attack. Right. It's a, I think it was a great use of... And, and we didn't really see anything like that in Force Awakens, just this sense of everything is giant and this is a huge place with a huge history. That really hit home for me also. It's, I, I'm not sure what well, I... The visual language of this movie was, was beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure what I expected because I was not a huge fan of uh, Edward's Godzilla movie. It was okay. You fell asleep during it. Ouch. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, I, was, I was a little hungover, uh, but... <laughs> Also, I'm not one of the... I was more of a Universal Monsters guy, not a Godzilla guy. Sue me. <laughs> I did see Godzilla versus the Smart Monster at the movies when I came out. Wow. <laughs> well, Dating myself. Uh, look at old Mr. Moneybags over here. <laughs> had the money to go to a movie. <laughs> Which had a great had a great musical number. It actually, it was the, the, the Japanese singing Save the Earth. It was a great like 60s, 70s musical Oh, number. yeah. They always had the like, Japanese Earth. twins singing. Are you yeah, well, the, are yeah, you sure you quit drugs? Are you sure? <laughs> Google it. You can find it. It's 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 it's, it's like a bad musical scene in Godzilla. I just want to know if Godzuki is going to become canon in the new Godzilla universe. <laughs> Godzuki from the cartoon, right? I, no, I, I remember the cartoon. It's a never had the Shogun War. There was a Shogun Warrior Godzilla. Yeah, but then there was a, there was also Godzilla. It was like Godzilla, Godzilla. Yeah. And Godzuki. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, it was like little nephew. God, I bet you're drowning in pussy. <laughs> that show always came on on Saturday, like right as my mom was making me get in the car because I had guitar lessons. Oh, so oh, I always I, missed it. I didn't load up the Hulk theme. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all my story was. That's okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> M- Mr. Bogus has brought one of those novelty... Uh, Star Wars bir- uh, birthday cards <laughs> that when you oh, open beautiful. it up plays the theme. Back to the show. Not starting with the scroll. I, I mean that le- legitimately. Like that was a that was a a bold move because I mean obviously it's it's not one of the episodic movies. So it was like, well, what are they going to do for the spinoff movie? And the answer was nothing. We're just going to start the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, it's. I thought it was an interesting choice because well, not, I, I agree with it. Because unlike Star Wars and Empire, these are not epic stories of kings and princes, which is really what a lot of the, mm-hmm. the main movies come down to. It's, you know, these are 
criminals and working people and low-level spies and scumbags. Right. And well, from a, from a thematic point of view, this is like these are the people we never talk about in Star Wars. These are the people that got <laughs> us here, but the know, common clay of the earth, you know, morons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cannon fodder, a Star Wars story. What's well, a yeah? It's you know right. you don't get Cliff Clavin in Empire story. He's just there shooting Except and he the dies. Actual Cliff Clavin in Empire. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, you don't get their stories. It's all generals and heroes yeah. and Jedi and so yeah to make it like. You know, with the crawl and an epic story and that epic theme. Uh, no, it's just, it, if I remember right, the musical cue it started on was like just a string hit or something like yeah. that. It was just, all right, we're right into it. It's, it was a very different kind of story in a lot of ways, more satisfying. That said, like I was telling Greg before the show, I got to make sure I lose weight so I can stay alive so I can see what happens in episode <laughs> eight. Because yeah. I still want the main fucking story. But there's, a, but there's like a sense of this of like, this would be, you know, on the Star Wars History Channel late at night and be like, we all know the story of Luke Skywalker and General Han Solo and Princess Leia, but did you know the story of Jin Erso? Whose selfless heroism helped the rebels get the plans from the Death Star? Sit back and now listen to our jaunty tale of death and murder and betrayal. And in our next episode, back shooting Cashin Andor and his douchebot K2SO. <laughs> <laughs> Douchebag. All right, so it's, let's let's start talking about the the characters. Um, there were a lot of them. Did they all get enough to do? I mean, well, let's start with with Jin. Who wants to comment? I, I like the character, but let somebody else jump in first because I think there were a few shortcomings and a few things that, yeah, okay, she's uh, really changing her mind about certain things very quickly for reasons. Because it's a movie and it's two hours. Yeah, it's a we, we got to we got to schedule my hero's journey because she's not going to make it to the sequel. It's a look. We got James Earl Jones. He's waiting in the booth. We've only got a certain amount of time here, and he's uh, he's looking a little gray. So <laughs> just make sure you record him breathing heavy. <laughs> yeah. Anybody? Any observations on on our our hero? Certainly not a hero. I, I don't think protagonist. I call her a hero. I'd say. Yeah. I'd say she was heroic. She had a classic hero's journey. She was, uh, yeah. you know, she went. She went from not caring about the the bigger picture and being very selfish to being selfless. So it was a it was a solid solid journey from being self sufficient and only worrying about taking care of herself to helping the greater good. It's see part of the problem I had with her character, and yeah, we we just talked all the way around. It was it's a, yeah, I'm I'm in this for me, and and suddenly just a full true believer. Certainly, yeah, I was abandoned by Saw Gerrera and it ruined the rest of my life. But yep, now I'm right you back in the fold. Say, I, would, I would argue that the destruction of Jeddah and that she witnesses it and lives through it is a pretty transformative experience. And anyone who went through uh, an experience like that would tell you, I don't know if you remember a little event called 9-11, but people who, you know, before, before that felt a certain way there was a change. So like, I think any kind of giant experience like that would change a character. So I buy, I buy the, the turnaround from her. You know, I was outside the watch city bar when they closed the brewing company. I've seen some shit, man. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying That's, we all have our nine 11. You, you have, you have a yours point. Was, yours was the watch city brewing <laughs> and the actual nine 11. It's you've got a point. I hadn't really thought that through that way but uh, i i guess that makes that makes transformative a lot of sense. moments in life yes yeah i suppose 
That's yeah. a big one. Yeah, and she had just seen the hologram of her father, who, as far as she knew, before she was kidnapped and rescued, mm-hmm. as far as she knew, he, he may as well be dead. She was never going to have an opportunity to reconnect. She well, started- as far as she knew, she he was absolutely now working for the Empire and was was just licking the boots of uh, of the space Nazis and preferred <laughs> to think of him as being dead. And had a side uh, job as a Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> a and, good one too. And he ate a few guys on TV. <laughs> so you spend all that time closing yourself off emotionally, and then you you've got it all ripped open in a mm. moment after watching that, and then on the heels of that, that just bombardment and destruction of, of yeah. Jetta. You didn't think of grabbing the tape? <laughs> Gee. <laughs> During the explosion? I guess not. But again, I like that element brought in the, the, um, the, the not grabbing the tape, brought in the element of faith, mm-hmm. where right. they had to take her word and trust her. And that's, again, a very strong concept in Star Wars. Whether, whether it's believing in the Force or just believing in a person, that's, that is uh, thematically important to the universe. And see, that's why part of why I like doing this show. I, I like getting my mind changed. Although I came in here going, oh, I got all, I got this point about the character. Oh, okay, I'm a dildo. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think they're they're valid points, but I think that they're again, you know, I think it's very. I, I think it's. I also think the representation in this movie was terrific. Uh, it was just nice to see lots of different types of people from all walks of life. And it's great to have them represented in the Star Wars universe because it is something that is so universally beloved by so many different people. I think it's nice for people to like be able to go and look and say, "Hey, there's a fucking there's there's an Asian dude, there's a fucking Arab dude, there's a lady. Hey, look, it's a lady, and the story's about her. That's great." Yeah, and and not a big deal was made about it. It didn't make a difference that any of them were of no. any particular race or gender. No, that wasn't the point of it. It was just that this is the world in which we live. It was a very representative. Uh, it was very representative of what that universe would probably look like. Yeah, it's you could have turned Jin to Jim, and the only difference would be okay. Instead of Stardust, uh, he calls her Slugger or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Chief. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, chief. There it is, chief. Yeah. Chief. So, How do you know? Oh, yeah, that's mine. That's what my asshole dad used to call me. Lord Vader, there's a there's a program called Champ. <laughs> there's one called What's this Donkey's Run? <laughs> it's written on a piece of two by four. <laughs> it's weird. We saw the movie early. We saw it on a matinee on Friday, so I didn't see too many reviews ahead of time. And yeah, it's it didn't really strike me. Until I started reading reviews after, it's like, uh, yeah, Jesus, this is a completely diverse cast. But since no yeah. big deal was made out of it at all, it just it washed over me. And yeah, as, as a white dude, I already got Han Solo. I don't need another one. And it means a lot to a lot of people. As a fat dude, I got Jabba. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see Alan Tudyk make it to the end of the movie alive. Yeah, there's that's kind of a dead giveaway that that character is not making it. It's like, yeah. oh, who's doing the book? Oh, Alan Tudyk. No, no. That character's I, dead. Walking dead man. I'm yep. expecting that on some point on Twitter he's going to announce he's going to be the next drummer for Spinal Tap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, anybody have a favorite character? It's a- Wait, is Alan Tudyk the Sean Bean? Of- <laughs> <laughs> is there a correlation there? He's the, he's, he's the Sean Bean of genre comic relief, yes. Okay. It's a very particular, particular role, but because of that, there's not a lot of competition for it. I hate that name Sean Bean as a, as one of those like why isn't it Seen Bean or 
<laughs> I told you to stay out of my boobs. What? San, San Ban. <laughs> it's like the ratio of the patio. What? It just doesn't make sense to me. Sin Fein? No, that's Sin a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. I think my favorite character was, was K2SO. I... Very good, really good character. Yeah. Good character, yeah. good lines. I guess the second biggest heroic arc was probably, yeah, Cashin. I don't know, as a dude, probably, I'm thinking, if I'm five years old, of course, that's the one who I'm going to identify with. But uh, yeah, watching him go from, yeah, absolutely, I'll, I'll backshoot somebody to, don't laugh at me, Benari. It's, I, I can imagine myself <laughs> as a child now and again. And I think about, I, I can't have booze, and I get to put it on my head. But Yeah, that's true. It was very, uh, and I liked that uh, it, it was very much like, that's what it would be like to be a spy. You know, you're you're not making like your friends are commodities and uh, and expendable, and you do what you have to do in the name of a greater cause. Exactly. It's a yeah. He's he's the Star Wars James Bond so far, the complete opposite of Han Solo. It's a no. I have absolute faith, and I hate what I do, but I'm going to do it, and I will absolutely never cut out on anybody because this is what I have to do. I'll, I'll I will cut whatever corner I have to. You now, if I can't get the information out, and you have to die, you have to die. No, the only thing he was missing was a cool car. <laughs> His ship was not that great. It was no Millennium Falcon. It wasn't making. But he had, the... a, but he had a but he had a cool refurbished droid. So. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and you can understand him. So that's one up on Chewbacca. Oh, and I guess. he made K two S O murder another droid. Yeah. Can we talk about the droid murder moment when they when they're when they're breaking in to get the you know he's like oh how will we get the plane you know what you have to do he's pithing you have to cut the K two S O yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just drilling into that droid head. Yeah, like piths him. Like, ooh, my, that was a little heavy. It was. It was ruthlessly efficient, and and that comes out later on when he gets the blaster from Jin, and mm-hmm. he's holding off the stormtroopers with just is just not even looking up. It was mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, yeah, this is the first movie where if I if this is the first Star Wars movie I saw when I was five, I wouldn't have wanted to live there. <laughs> <laughs> no, this sucks. I don't want any part of this. <laughs> But this is why I think it's a good. It, it's not a jumping off point. It's uh, it fills it. You know, again, it's it's filling in. It's filling in the blanks. It's a it's an anthology type story because it's the stories you don't hear in the Star Wars universe. A million stories in the gritty city. <laughs> and when they make the point in in the the, the original three, you know, many rebels died to bring you this information. That's a really big burden and standard to live up to in telling this story. Mm-hmm. So to be able to do it so effectively, and when you already know that the plans are going to get out. So in a way, it's almost like, well, there's no stakes here. I know that the plans are going to find their way out eventually. But you still cared, and you were still drawn into the characters and the tension as they were trying to, to first get them beamed out, and then once they were on the ship and Vader comes through and he's killing everybody, you, know, you still felt the tension even though yeah. you knew inevitably that the plans were going to find their way to Leia. Well, one thing occurred to me, a lot of the problems the screenwriters and uh, Gareth Edwards had to solve here are the ones that needed to be solved for Titanic. Mm. You know the boat's going down. <laughs> that's, that's not a question. So what you have to do is get invested in the characters who are going to be dealing with this, and the question really became not, okay, are the plans going to get out? It's Are, are they going to get out? Yeah, are, is anybody here going to get out? And in a, in a certain way, I after watching it, I became cynical for a minute. It's like, well, of course, we would have seen them. They'd have been heroes of the rebellion. Of course, none of them got out. But 
while I was watching it, it's like, no, it was very much a question and of... And that even occurred to me in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... It, it's Sure, it, sure. It's true. These people would have been elevated. And it wouldn't yeah. have been Leia putting no, no, someone, on someone, asked, someone asked me, they were just like, did you know they were going to die? Oh, they were like, when did you know that they were that none of them were making it out? I'm like, when they announced the movie? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they did a solid enough job of making us care about the characters in some yeah. ways uh, let's let's face it some of these characters did get kind of short shrift i mean uh i think short- Bodhi got a little short shrift but he got his uh, he got his nice little he got some nice little moments mm. oh absolutely i mean <laughs> god another yeah i like that actor yeah, well, yeah, he's terrific. He was in uh, that HBO show, which I have seen. Yeah, he was seen. in The Night Of. Yeah, which I, I have not gotten around yeah, to yet. Yeah, some of it was very... I, I didn't see it all, but it was very very well done. But it's a, he got short shrift, but also he was sort of there for a reason. Going back to the extremism of Saw Gerrera, you know, a lot of the visual iconic uh, icons that were being shown were pure on almost out bag on the head. We're going to torture right. you. We don't believe anything that you say. He had a role to play. Unfortunately, that role was no. You're the one who gets stomped on and nearly tortured to death. What was the name of the dude? The 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 big blob there with the den- oh, yeah. tendrils. Oh, I forget go, go. The, the Star Wars version of the uh, earworm from right. Star Trek is, is all I remember. But but that was their um, sort of Sarlacc moment. There's always one right. moment in every Star Wars movie where here's a monster. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, that's true. What what was the line from a uh, Doctor Afra? Whoa, went right through me. I got to go feed the Sarlacc. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great comic if you yeah. haven't read it yet. I have not. Yeah, Star Wars Dr. Afro. We talked about it on last week's show. Yeah, go find it. It's, well, it's Star Wars Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah. So I went into this totally blind, so I didn't actually know any any of what the story was going to be. So that's why it was totally... Uh, I was totally gobsmacked by really the whole story. So you hadn't I, really read anything about it. I had not read anything, other than it was coming. Mm. So I definitely was quite... You know, shock. I don't want to say shocked, but I'm too old to be shocked. But it was definitely surprised. I was odd. How well, about that? But what what were you expecting? Just to, okay, give me Star Wars, or I, you know, I, I guess I really don't know. I, I I don't know what I was expecting when I went into it, but I was quite quite pleased with how, with with just how strong it was, and how how really. Well integrated, all the visuals and all, uh, and all. It just didn't s- s- so little of it, you know. We, uh, with the exception of you know, you know, the CGI, uh, the uncanny valley folks, of, of uh, yeah, of uh, especially Leia. Beyond yeah, the Leia, the Leia thing almost ruined my my enthusiasm for the movie, and I I got over it very quickly. But I was like, really, that's the last shot of the fucking movie. Uh, yeah, it's you, that was a bad choice. I think you're right. I almost almost say the the R two D two C three PO cameo for that <laughs> moment. Herb, you know, yeah, whatever, ducking down and shoving something into his head. There were a lot of ways to solve that problem. I thought they chose the worst. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I'm with you on that. The the worst way. It's not a thing that even needed to be solved. Seeing the Tantive break away and go, and you know exactly what's coming. That's all you need. It's, again, technology, man. It doesn't matter if it's movies. Just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should. And I I think in the long run, they went, the moments that won't hold up in this movie are the, are those shock value moments. You were saying about the lightsaber and and some other moments, maybe even R2 and C3PO. But those moments, I think, with uh, Leia's face, Tarkin, the first time Tarkin turns around, those things I don't think will hold up 
well over multiple viewings. Once the initial shock factor wears off, mm. those will be things that just annoy people like the cellophane S in Superman 2. <laughs> well, Greg, you've seen it a couple times. It's how did those moments was it was it just sort of you steal yourself for them or did how did it work on a second viewing? Because uh, we're going to see it again. Yeah, so because we so haven't gotten to it yet. Leah, the second time was even worse. The, the Moff Tarkin the second time was actually a little bit better. I, I actually, even though there was one moment initially, I'm like, is that a, is that a very good looking actor with a you know with a mask on? I'm like, yeah. and then when he walked, I'm like, oh yeah, you can just see that that's not quite the right. He walked by something I'm like there's just something off there. So it's a whole. CGI thing, but but he definitely the second time around he seemed to have a little bit more depth as a character than the first time. I'm like I'm, I was just trying to figure him out. And the second time I was like, all right, I know who he is, I know what he's doing, and I know what they did, so I'm going to accept it. Okay, because it's uh, Amanda did dial up on the magical Google machine. Yeah, uh, the actors, uh, the actor who uh, did the motion capture for Tarkin and the actress who did it for Leia. And they do, they picked actors and actresses who did look remarkably like Peter Cushing and, uh, Carrie, Carrie Fisher. Fisher, but it's, they, they, yeah, I'd have been fine if they just did the old Iron Man two thing, you know, where Don Cheadle comes in and say, like, it, it's me. Uh, I'll, get I'll over this guy it. now. Yep, yeah. Just get over it and move on. What about the plan? Did you ever see plan nine from outer space? Yeah, Boris. The Bel- was dead. He, he, he died. He yeah, just kept, he just kept his cape over his head. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Leia had a hood on when she just. That's what I'm saying. I didn't need to see the CGI yeah. face yeah. of Leia. Yeah. Like once you showed her from behind, I already knew who it was. So just even hearing her voice would have been enough. Dianu. Yeah. I'm, I'm with yeah. you on that. I have to wonder how those CGI tricks hold up in 3D because we saw it in just standard 2D. Oh right. So I want. I wonder. Uh, you're shaking your head, Benari. <laughs> did, did you see it in 3D or did you see it standard? Anybody here see it in 3D? <laughs> I saw it in 3D. Okay. okay. I did not. It, so, uh, I, I don't, so I didn't see it in standard yet. Next time I see it, it will be in standard. Uh, so I don't know if it jumped out at me more. I know uh, that my girlfriend leaned over to me when Tarkin was talking and she says, why does it look like he's digital? I'm like, because he is dead. Because <laughs> he's like, been dead for 20 years. Dead. 94. <laughs> Well, he had a look though that old that old codger. Huh? What a what a what a face there, old Peter. Cushing. Oh, I mean, yeah. What's a on Sven Gulli last week was a, one of the Hammer Dracula films. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. you know, yeah, he's got the right look for that kind he of does. thing. Yeah, you know, even back to then. But uh, you know what? The guy they hired to just map over his face, it, it would have been fine. Just we're all well. Then again, yeah, we're all adults. Would it throw off some kid? To, to see a new actor. Right. Some kid, yeah, but I was going to say, like, some kid is going to just rather see, a, like, a person and be like, oh, yeah, it's the same guy. I got it. Uh, yeah, it's a, I don't recall changing Darren's made me shit my pants and question the nature of reality as a child. I probably <laughs> no, could have. That happened later in your 30s. <laughs> that's true. But... This seems to be a trend, though, that's showing up in a lot. I mean, in Westworld, Westworld you see a younger Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And you, oh, really? You know, in a- yeah, they did it to Tony Stark, you know, uh, in Civil War. Yeah, uh, but at least that was like supposed, you know, intentionally digitized. That was intentional CGI because he's in a machine that that gives you a, a fake thing. So at least on that one, you can defend it by saying like, yeah, yeah, we're in a yeah. But they also did it with Michael Douglas and Ant Man. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's not true. Marvel's first first rodeo on that one. So, yeah, that's true. Disney, uh oh, Disney is Disney's behind all of this. <laughs> <laughs> 
So does Gareth Edwards go the uh, George uh, Lucas route and want to remake each successive release? I, see, I don't, I don't know where he can even go with this because because it, it was the one off. Right. Yeah, certainly there's an opening somewhere because Josh Trank, who did Fantastic Four, is now off whatever he was on. But I think, uh, I think that was the Han Solo movie. And I think they have somebody for that. But I'm they not do. Sure. I, I don't well, don't, don't worry. There's going to be a there'll be a a 20 year anniversary edition of Rogue One where Cassian steps on Jabba the Hutt's tail. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Somebody did you ever read? Somebody said. Uh, I had a feeling that George Lucas ate a sub sandwich back in 1992 and he's been throwing salt and pepper down his throat trying to change the taste ever since. <laughs> yeah, it's a when uh, when Cashin shot the guy in the back, I'm like, thank God Lucas doesn't have a piece of this because we'd be seeing weird CGI where the guy twists at the middle and a gun appears in his hand. and He shot first. You all saw it. <laughs> he was going for his gun. Give me the threat. <laughs> Yeah, we were doing favorite characters. Greg, which which one stood out for you? Well, I like uh, Force Whitaker. I've had a soft spot for him ever since Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we learned, uh, yeah, if you touch his car, he'll destroy you. <laughs> he'll destroy you. <laughs> I think he was wearing most of his car by the end of this movie. The rebreather gave me a sort of Fury Road kind of... Uh... See, what I took from that and I thought was actually kind of clever was... a. Darth Vader analog in the sense of this is a man whose whose faith and extremism has led him to suffer grievous injury and this is he's become worse as he's gotten older and yeah he's more machine than man now and he's done these terrible things and feels a certain amount of redemption at the end of no I'm going to stay here and let things you know move past me and the terrible things that I've done but very much a Darth Vader analog which I thought was pretty clever. And I think he makes – well, I think he also makes that choice of not fully falling prey to the dark side. That you know he, he's going to die with humanity rather than let the, the empire and his zealotry in fighting the empire rob him of the last bit of his humanity. Right. Yeah, no, and, and, I, and I think the breathing apparatus just gives everything in Star Wars a, a greater sense of menace just because you can't, have, you can't have a breathing apparatus and not invoke the image of Vader. Or Frank Booth. Yeah, I was going to say, I was waiting for him to say, fuck that shit, Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> and then the other question was, was, did they alter some of the, like the trailers? It seemed like some of the stuff that Forrest Whitaker said in the initial trailer that I saw was different from what he said in the movie. Or- yeah, they did a lot of reshoots. So there's actually a number of scenes, including a TIE fighter popping up uh, to confront Jin. Uh, on the uh, when when she's on Scarif, uh, that's not in the movie at all. They they uh. they. Uh, there's a number of scenes in the trailer that aren't in the movie. Mm. Yeah, but that's pretty common. It, it's it's still kind of funny to me at this point. You'd think that with from dating back to the days of Ain't It Cool News and people being so plugged into movie news now, everybody gets so panicked when it's like, oh God, there's reshoots. It must be a fucking disaster. <laughs> and it's like, no, you sign in the contract, there's going to be reshoots. There's always something you got to fill in. And uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> I, I'm used to there being changes in trailers. I'm trying to think of the first time uh, I noticed that. I mean, the worst one was, uh, and I'm not the first one to make this uh, <laughs> this realization, uh, in that non-existent Indiana Jones movie that I keep hearing somebody made, must be a fan film, Crystal Skull. Crystal. Where, oh, God. Yeah, where uh, 
the the line reading that sounds like a Shia LaBeouf movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds like a bunch of bullshit. But uh, I hear that in the trailer, uh, the line reading that Harrison Ford gave. I hear you're a teacher part time. But in the actual movie, it was part time. <laughs> like they took the worst possible take, and they they took the good one from the trailer and left it out of the movie. So I'm I'm kind of used to that shit. Get CGI Moff Tarkin back here. We need a reshoot. <laughs> Where is he? God, I can't remember the comic I was reading this week, but it was it was something about somebody was dealing with alien invaders and uh, he took down this one alien where he was the only person in the world who knew that Shia LaBeouf had been kidnapped and replaced with a malfunctioning android. <laughs> I forget which comic it was. I'll have to look for that oh, one. Man. But that tracks. That makes sense. Yeah. So, Benari, any particular character you're like, yeah, that's my motherfucker? Uh, I loved K2SO. I thought, uh, I, thought, uh, I thought that droid was just great. It was a different type of droid. I thought that that was uh, and a much needed character to lighten things up otherwise it's a really dark movie mm. oh, de- um, definitely him and uh, a Shirit uh, Imwe yeah and, and that uh, I don't know I mean for me this was such a great ensemble movie mm. I really loved that group together I right. thought that like by the time things really got rolling I really liked seeing them operate together you know and I, 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 yeah, I uh, yeah so I don't know if there was uh, necessarily a standout yet for me other than uh, other than the droid, but I I thought that um, as an ensemble piece, it was it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. magnificent seventy, whatever. Mm. The, the, yeah, the very yeah. Much, yeah. As you said, dirty dozen, dirty glorious dozen. bastards. Yeah, I was waiting for yeah, somebody. Exactly, that, waiting it for had somebody, that feel to it. Yeah, waiting for somebody to say Bongiorno. <laughs> yeah, Bongiorno. Bongiorno. So this has been pointed out by a lot. I of want a scalp, a stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> And I will get my helmets. I will get my helmets. <laughs> so this has been pointed out by a lot of people. Uh, this is now we are in the mode. We are going to have a Star Wars movie every single year until we die. Is anybody worried that... See, I, I keep thinking of after Jedi... Han Solo will not be good. <laughs> well, it's uh, that's, that's another question as to whether we need to revisit earlier characters. And while I think nope. Donald Glover is inspired casting as a young... Lando oh, Calrissian. absolutely, but I, I don't need to see that much. I've already seen the most interesting part of Han Solo's life. Yeah, that's it's not going to get much better than that. But How about Crispin Glover as a young Han Solo? <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. That'd be all right. But it's, I'm thinking back to Jedi came out, and then we had, what, a couple of Ewok adventure movies and Star Wars <laughs> droids on Saturday morning uh-huh. cartoons. And by 1986, it was all done. People were sick of it, mm-hmm. you know, because the then, main... we had, then we had uh, the uh, the Dark Horse uh, comics. Yep, uh, Dark uh, Dark Empire. It's it Dark was... Empire. Yeah, there there were the books, the Timothy Zahn books. Yeah, the Heir and... to the Empire books. And, uh, and that... So yeah, you had the Heir to the Empire, and you had Dark Empire, and that started to jack interest back up. <laughs> but yeah, there was a stretch there where okay, we've got Star Wars that isn't main Star Wars, and interest kind of fell out. I mean, if you stop and think about uh, about it, this is this movie really. The fact that it's a good movie is secondary to <laughs> requirements. It's really a case of Disney understands. Okay, there's a demand for Star Wars. There's a dollar to be made, so we will put stuff out no matter what. And you know, they did pretty well with this. You know, Gareth Edwards. He's one of those directors with one or two movies under his belt. 
like Josh Trank, who flamed out on Fantastic Four and then got fired from his Star Wars movie, there's a. Eventually, we're going to get a bad Star Wars movie. <laughs> Darth Vader goes to Space Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. already got three bad Star Wars movies, right. and we rebounded from that. True. So. Eventually, there'll be a Marty Noxon one, and it's just horribly <laughs> derivative. <and> yeah. <laughs> All right, I suppose that's a point. But I mean, to really recover from that, yeah, there was Clone Wars, and some. There wasn't a long. There wasn't a long lag time from from the recovery. We we <laughs> we gave it a pass almost immediately. I mean, yeah. the first one, the episode one wasn't good. Three years later, we all went and saw episode two. We're like, this time it'll be better. And it wasn't. <laughs> and then we all went and saw episode three, three years later. And then there was like several cartoon series that came out. And they, those were actually pretty good. We're like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it's just George Lucas is the problem. Well, I'm sure they won't make a terrible Star Wars movie again. And then we all saw episode seven and we're like, okay, this was good. <laughs> we didn't screw anything up. So it was good. Yeah, but it's you know what? I didn't spend money to see episode two or episode three. And episode two is the first big internet leak, and somebody put it in my hands. Episode uh, episode three, I was working at the radio and station and then shot that person in the back. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's episode three. I uh, yeah went to a radio station promotion because it's like uh, fuck it, I'll see it eventually, maybe, but I can go see it for free. So it's it, it did have an effect on me. Episode seven was the first time I'd spent money on a Star Wars movie since nineteen ninety nine. Wow. So it's, you know, eventually we're going to get a bad one. Are we going to get overexposed on this? I mean, because in a lot of ways, Rogue One is the modern version of Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I don't, I don't want to go as far as to say it's the modern version of the Star Wars holiday special. There's a buck out there. Put any Star Wars out. But it's, you know, okay, we, we need to have something. Get this out. Get this out. This This shows the power of having... Disney behind your franchise mm. and and it shows what it means to have Disney shepherding your franchise into the future um, they're there for for all their faults you know the, the people who run Disney know what they're doing they know their and, shit and they know their <laughs> shit and Disney is very good at uh, keeping that trademark valuable so yeah again you know it's in their best interest to whatever they put out to be good quality. And to, for, for the fans, and and to think about that too, you realize you you do realize that Disney ends up not beating a lot of shit into the ground. I mm-hmm. mean, they actually do know the the way to yeah. not well, you know make Planet of the Apes five or whatever. They'll fi- they'll figure it out. They you know there there will always be there'll be a moment where we're, yep that was that was one too far. It's and Disney absolutely knows how to beat thring, things into the ground. How how many Aladdin movies have there been? It's just you know hear oh. about them because they dump them out on DVD. Pirates okay. of the Caribbean yes. five. Yes. All right. All right. So if you want to just call me an asshole, call me an asshole. <laughs> but all of those things, but kids buy you know. But again, it keeps kids buying those products in the Disney store, and it keeps the brand out there and you don't have to go see it but someone else will see it and so there's a there's a carry over there so you know again it's a they will i i for now at least i think i wouldn't worry too much about disney being in charge of putting these things out they 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 tend to know what they're doing so uh, is it still there's still two more of the original nine g (laughs) (laughs) right yes and then there's going to be two pre to the remaining two of the nine LG. Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, yeah, there's episode eight and nine. Uh, episode eight should be next year, and episode nine two years after yeah. that. 
the year after episode eight is yeah, young Han Solo. Yep. And I think between eight and nine, there's um, a bounty hunter movie coming. Yeah. Yeah. There's, oh, really? so there's, there's a few things in the pipeline <clears throat> included. Well, is the Lando Calrissian, uh, is that part of the Han Solo movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought makes Donald, sense. Makes sense. I thought Donald Glover got his own movie. You'd think he'd have enough juice at this point, <laughs> being a polymath with hit records and TV. Well, if he does well in the Han Solo movie, that they will probably find an excuse to spin that off so that Lando gets a movie. Right. Is Billy D. Williams still alive? He is. I don't think I 2016 we, we got him yet. We shouldn't even say that. Oh, <laughs> God, yeah. He's still alive. No, but you just, you just killed him. <laughs> yeah. He just lost Zsa Zsa Gabor, so I think <laughs> Billy D. Williams might, might be somewhere in, in uh, there on the list. That, that's 2016 in a nutshell. There was a Star Wars movie. Everybody died in it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yes. Oh, my God. That's, that's, that's very, yeah. Uh, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. I might have to steal that bit. <laughs> That's all right. I'm off stage now. You can take whatever you need. All right, but I don't want to end on the, oh, it's going to be overexposed. So, all right, uh, Greg, favorite moment of the movie? Ooh, boy. Uh, a couple of ones. I really liked when that, that hammerhead Corvette hammered into the, other, the, the, the Star Destroyer and knocked it into the other Star Destroyer. Yes, and and just like oh man that looks just really really I mean that's just the kind of stuff that looks so real the whole process of it banging it powering it oh shit <laughs> you see all the you know a quick cut to the guys like ah oh, fuck <laughs> we're in deep shit now the thing starts to collapse and then it falls I really like that scene yeah it's a the space battle was was excellent it and was. Uh, yeah that that moment was reminiscent to. Uh, yeah, what was it in Jedi? A couple of Star Destroyers banged into each other. Yeah. For me, it was a lot of it was the quiet moments. Like I said, the mm-hmm. the, the scale moments of Tie Fighter to yep. Star Destroyer, and uh, yeah, the Star Destroyer coming out of hyperspace and just ships blasting, banging themselves apart and into them. It's yeah, just some of the bigger visual moments. There were certainly yeah. huge, you know, heroic moments. I guess the other one would be. Uh, yeah, uh, shit, Baze Malbus, Machine Gunner Punisher. Yes. Yeah. You know, when, uh, when Imway goes down and he realizes, I'm not getting out of this, yeah. but I'm coming right at you, and I'm taking as many of you with me as I can, just saying the Force is with me. And, I'm one with the Force. Yeah. yeah, that moment and their friendship uh, was, was really a, a highlight. Yeah. Uh, just a terrific moment. Yeah. Strong point. Amanda? I, I was going to list that very moment, but um, ah. I'm a dildo. What can I say? No, I, it, I also um, when you see the extent to which um, K2SO can be just so ruthlessly efficient when he pits that other droid, mm-hmm. and then um, when he's in the the gun battle with the stormtroopers later, as someone who's currently reading the Marvel books where there are some actual murder bots, it mm. makes you really think about you know just how. Just, I mean, they're robots. There is no conscience there. The AI doesn't have to include any kind of morality. They're going to get the job done. And you see it play out for once because you're so used to, you know, BB-8's adorable and C-3PO is British. And it's just... (laughs) And gay. I think we all agree he's gay, but... But you know, then you see, then you you know see a droid like this and the way that he carries out his actions, like, oh yeah, yeah, they, they are actually machines. And they can program in a personality, mm. but you're not programming in any humanity. Okay, that's yeah, that that's absolutely fair. And yeah, that was a great character you know, all the way through, you know, right down to to the end, where he's like, "I'm not going to be able to." What was it? I'm not going to be able to open the door or something. Yeah, 
Yeah, and one last year, you're going to be on your. It was go on without me. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it was great. No, it was, yeah. it was very, very, very good. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I loved. I loved all those scenes. But I'm just going to go with the classic, making Vader a badass again, <laughs> uh, and just that 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 sequence was so. I thought just so well done and mm. choreographed, mm. and was less is more. That was the you don't show the shark till the end. Mm. Just yeah. loved, and we got a little touch of the Empire where you see him. Uh, from behind in, in, you know, his Calgon bubble bath, uh, where, <laughs> yep. you know, again, it, it's little, little glimpses of Vader, a little bit of Vader goes a long way. And I think that there's just, just something really, really terrifying when he cuts loose, uh, that is fun to watch as you're like, yeah, that's why Vader is just, that's why Darth Vader is one of the all time greatest screen villains, period. And something I noticed in the second time watching it was the scene when Krennic goes to see Vader and Krennic's standing there and Vader's coming, but it's just an enormous shadow yes. starts to loom over him. I'm like, ooh, that's really good. Yeah. And, 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 and in their uh, back and forth, there's, there's another great little Vader moment where he denies the existence of the Death Star. You know, it, again, there's still, there's, the Senate hasn't been disbanded yet. And it's like, that's a story that was made up. We put out that there was a mining accident. Like, there were so many nice little subtleties about the inner workings of how the empire is going about things and the, the just the depth of their uh, villainy and that vader is basically you know really puts vader in the hierarchy you know you always wonder like well okay does he work for tarkin does he does he work for the emperor yeah. and it's basically like look when vader comes in that means shit got real bad that's why vader's on the death star the vader's on the death star because you know someone fucked up right. and vader's yeah. got to fix this mess and only a few people at the top can rein him in. He's the cleaner. Yeah. yeah. It's a Benari. I know you're busy and not reading as many comics as me with nothing to do all day does. But if you haven't read Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader in particular, there's an arc. If you haven't seen it, Vader down where mm-hmm. they managed to force him to cr- crash land. And princess Leia basically says, we're sending everybody. And it's the Imperial army, not Imperial, the, the rebel army and their fleet converge on this planet to try and kill Vader and it doesn't work out very well. It's six issues of just Vader fighting off all that the, the uh, rebel Alliance has. And he's there for Luke. Yeah. 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 So, and and, and that's the other thing that I I really like. And I know we keep, I keep saying that I thought this brought stakes to it, but you know, I know we joke about in Jedi when she says many Bothans died to bring us this information, but the toll that something like this takes on a leader like Mon Mothma They've seen this before. And again, I think that when, you, when you, we've been following the adventures of Luke and Han and Leia, and they get, they, get, they get away with it. In the end, they win. But there are all these other missions. The thing that makes what they've done so remarkable is there are a lot of other missions that just, they succeed, but at a huge cost. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of people, when they go on these missions, they're not making it out. And Mon, a character like Mon Mothma carries the weight of that. And I think that it actually helps add some depth to her character too when you when you see her by the time Jedi rolls around she's she's probably ordered how many of these missions yeah yeah <laughs> totally last week uh, Amanda and I talked about uh yeah the, the latest Marvel Star Wars comic is Dr. Afra and we talked about it's a character we've never really seen before it's it's really it's an Indiana Jones pastiche yeah, she is okay. a rogue archaeologist who up until now was part of the uh, Kieran Gillen Darth Vader run and Vader basically leaves her for dead and she manages to escape. And this is the beginning of, of her operating on her own and her own story. And we talked about, it could be very much a like 
it could go in the direction of a breaking bad in space, just oh. somebody becoming more and more corrupt, operating on the fringes of the Star Wars universe. And really, you can say what you want about the mouse, but since the mouse has had control, yeah, we're starting to see with things like Dr. Afra in the comics and with Rogue One, you know, Greg, you said it, there's a million stories in the naked city. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of good stories out there that are mm. not necessarily, you know, you know, oh, I'm training under Luke Skywalker. Right. right. No, this is huge galaxy in strife. And yeah, you can have a crime epic. You can have yeah. a man on a mission epic. There's, And that's part of why, yeah, I'm a little bit, I don't necessarily need to see young Han Solo. Tell me something else. Exactly. I want to see this, what I was really excited about with this movie, and I hope they go more in this direction, was they basically were mining a very well-known period of Star Wars lore, and they found something new mm. uh, to tell us in a in a in a in something that we already knew how it ends. We already know we already know what happens because <laughs> that's how the fucking movie starts. Uh, <laughs> so, but the, I thought they were they 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 pulled off a neat trick and they gave us something new to see, and I thought that was great. Yep, the commoditization of blue milk. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's the that, new, it's the new that's galactic. What the credit. carbonite's for? How else are you going to ship blue milk across the galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did anybody have any last uh, thoughts, observations, uh, anything they they want to say? Otherwise, we kind of wrap it up. I think we've covered a reasonable amount of ground in a couple hours. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Yeah, no, this is a. It's been good. Anybody have anything? Or uh... I think we got it. All right, uh, we'll do one. It's a, either you guys have anything that uh, you want to plug coming up because I know you guys are still actively performing, whereas uh, all all Amanda and I do is uh, come down here and do this. Go ahead, B. Uh, you can just follow me on Twitter at Benari Lee. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Bogus News B O G G I S News N E W S. And uh, Instagram, same thing. And I will be at the uh, Luna Theater in Lowell uh, Monday night, tomorrow night with Tony V. There's a lot to love about Lowell. There's a lot <laughs> to love about Lowell. That's uh, that's Lowell, Mass. So our overseas listeners, uh, yeah, you better book your flight. But, <laughs> but we do have a lot of listeners in Mass. And uh, excellent. Yeah, Bogus is a, a good guy and a funny motherfucker. So, all right. Anything else, or should we wrap it up? <laughs> there we go. We're so close to being sued. <laughs> Fair use, bitch. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't know where you heard this episode, but if you're an officer of the court, we didn't do it. Otherwise, you can, always, you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We're on Facebook. You can uh, send us a message there or give us a like, facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We're on Twitter. Twitter handle is at infinitemidlife. Uh, we are on, uh, what the hell else are we on? Tumblr. Tumblr. We're on Tumblr, Tumblr. I think. I haven't tried to log in for a while, but <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Midlives at Tumblr.com. Uh, let's see. You can also find us on iTunes. If that's how you normally get your podcasts, you can uh, certainly subscribe to us there. Or uh, if you got a minute, nothing else to do, you're bored, give us a rating, give us a review. It helps new people find the show. You can find us on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on TuneIn Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Jeepers. And, yeah, I know. No, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. I mean, we're, a, we're like a rash. Savoir faire. <laughs> and uh, you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Uh, Greg Bogus, Benari Poulton, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Thank you. And thank that, you. And 
May the force be with you. <laughs> all of you. <laughs> or, or the force of others. That's one thing none of us mentioned, that initial the force of others mention, which is straight from the original script. Mm. And in the spirit of the season, God bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. This has been episode 137 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thanks for listening. And uh, derp. 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 <laughs> that's how Thanks, guys. That's how it sounds in my own head, Greg. <laughs> <laughs>